Yassa Football Army Football Show. The Army Football Show is an insider's guide for cadets, old grads, college football fans, and all the Army teams as they seek to beat Navy and win the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. As for Football has more exclusive content available on Patreon at As for Football. You can also find out more information and sign up for our mailing list at asforfootball.com forward slash subscribe. They say that uh, the Army-Navy is the greatest rivalry in sports, at least in college football. Um, and we saw that on display this past weekend. We saw Army get up, you know, some familiar storylines. Army gets up, doesn't make a lot of second-half adjustments, but Navy does at halftime. Navy kind of comes back. Um, we we saw another goal line stand. I think this is the third in four years or five years. You know, the, the game has been won on a, a goal line stand. Um Absolutely incredible game. And at the end of the day, Army won 17 to 11. I think the last time there was a football game, it was 17 to 11. It was Louisiana, ULM, something, yeah, some rivalry nobody cares about. Um, it doesn't matter though. Army beat Navy. The season is saved after starting two and four. We're now six and six, won the Commander in Chief's Trophy, beat Navy, beat Air Force. I'd say it's a pretty good year. We're going to talk about it on the show. Welcome back to the Aspen Football Army Football Show. It's your host, Jordan, in Huntsville, Alabama, joined by Dan in Coastal Connecticut, Rob in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and James in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Gentlemen, we just beat Navy. How are we doing? Awesome, man. Uh, much better now. I've seen this game two and a half times. As, as you know, I couldn't exactly remember what I saw in the immediate aftermath of the game, but dude, what a weekend. Holy cow. I, I honestly can't wait to do it again. It was just amazing. Yeah. The only thing, my only complaint about watching it from home was all the second half commercials. Like, thank you, USAA, for advertising us to death. Because if you are not sure if you want to be a member of USAA, uh, you are probably brainwashed and have already signed up and you don't even realize it yet. Probably. James, were you able to catch the game? I was. Uh, we ended up not flying, so I was uh, – I. I Put it on for everybody who was around me and uh, was an incessant pain in their ass for the three hours the game was going on. I'm, I'm really sorry I missed that. That sounds like a great time. Uh, <laughs> I was at a graduation party watching the game in a room by myself for, for most of it. So, um, you know what? It's okay, though, because Army won. See, like, if we would have lost, then I'd look like the loser who, like, watched his team lose. Um, but, you know, it worked out. <clears throat> so... Dan, we're going to talk about this, but before we do that, why don't you tell us about our sponsor? So Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending for Draper & Kramer in Chicago, sponsors this fine podcast. Craig is a member of the West Point Class of 1994, licensed to lend in all 50 states, but based out of Chicago. As you know, he is one of the biggest, most successful VA lenders in the country. Craig will offer you super competitive rates, give you the best deal that he can, and the reason this is important is because the mortgage process is freaking confusing. Interest rates are moving all over the place. They give you inches worth of paperwork to sign. You have all these questions. You do not want to deal with some clown who just wants to make a buck off you, some random call center, big box bank, what have you. It, and so this is why you want to deal with a, a West Pointer, right? And this is how the West Point Network functions. Craig is helping us stay in business here at Astro Football, and we're helping you get the best deal on a mortgage that we can by introducing you to the very man that you need to meet. Plus, Craig does not charge lending fees for veterans. It's a huge savings, like $1,300. Like, $1,300. Get that money. 
Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending. Check him out. His link's on our website. Uh, just go to askforfootball.com. Hit the, little up, hit the little button, fill out a questionnaire. You'll be talking to Craig in a couple of hours. And it's actually going to be him, not some minion. So that's worth it. Yeah, Craig's a real deal. Has some great uh, social media. Uh, yeah, he if does. Has not, if you've not followed him on Instagram, go to our Instagram and, and look at some of the videos Craig puts out. It's pretty funny. So, um, this season has been a little bit of a roller coaster, admittedly, even at As for Football. Um, you know, I think we kind of came in optimistic, maybe cautiously optimistic. Um, things didn't exactly get off to a great start. Uh, there were some bumps along the way. We had some some high highs and some very, very, very low lows. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the boys turned it around. They kept fighting. You know, we we were, you know, two and six for a while. And um, we finished on a four-game winning streak, won the Commander Chief Trophy and the Secretary's Cup. I mean, if you look at this season, it's with the exception of not going to a bowl game, um, I, I think the team has accomplished everything that, that, that's been asked of them. Um, and, and they've done that in spite of, you know, having a new offense and playing teams like LSU and three power five teams this year. So um, really proud of the way the season ended. And obviously being Navy is all that matters. I mean, we could have gone one and 11. And as long as that one is Navy, it's a win. Um, that being said, though, you know, let's talk about what we did this last week. Offensively, we finished with 205 yards rushing on 47 carries. 4.4 yards per carry. Uh, Dan's uh, man crush, uh, Kanye Udo, 13 for 88 yards. Bryson Daly, 27 for 84 yards. Adrian Marshall, 2 for 19. Joey Buchanan, 4 for 9. Um, Daly went 7 out of 14 through the air, 54 yards and a touchdown. Um, I had one of the partners at my firm text me saying, Did, was that a passing touchdown in the Army-Navy game? Like, when was the last time that happened? I think it was the third quarter and there hadn't been a rushing touchdown. So. Um, Casey Reynolds had, had three catches for 32 yards, Marshall two for nine, and then, you know, tight end Tyson Riley, one for four yards and a touchdown. Great for Tyson Riley. You know, we've we've talked about this, you know, the, the guy got a ton of touches two years ago. Even last year got a bunch of touches. And then, you know, I think had three touches in the first, like, eight games or something. I don't remember the exact statistic. But, um, you know, last couple, last couple games he's been getting some great touches at tight end. They moved him back uh, into the backfield. And then, you know, for him to score a touchdown in the Army-Navy, and that's, that's, as a senior, that's pretty special. Uh, we went five for 14 on third downs, one for two on fourth downs, held the ball for 33 minutes. Um, maybe not quite as much offensive success the team had against Air Force, but it was enough to keep the Navy's offense mostly off the field, really through three quarters. We dominated the ball. Um, our time of possession was close to 30 minutes by the end of the third quarter. So um, set up the defense to attack when they needed to attack. Uh, Navy finished with 64 offensive plays, and Army had, had 61. So interesting, the, the game, the score ended the way it did, even though Navy had more offensive plays. Um, speaking of the defense, Rob, do you want to break that down for us? Yeah, so as often as it is an Army-Navy game's defense showed up, and that was the difference in the game. Held Navy to 35 carries with 130 yards, which is 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, quarterback Ty Lavatai had 19 for 74. As you can see, he was probably the bulk of the Navy offense. Uh, fullback Alex Tesca, well, you know, he didn't get going, which is uh, usually he's one of their keys to victory, especially for Navy. Uh, Navy all but abandoned the run in the second half. Uh, safety Max D. Domenico had an interception to set up a long Army touchdown drive. Uh, linebacker 
Caleb Fortner had this this scoop and score. He strip sacked uh, Ty Lavatai and ran it back the, to bring the bring Army up by 14 late in the game. Uh, Fortner led all tacklers with 10 tackles, five solo, one sack. Uh, Leo Lowen had nine uh, tackles, three solo. Jimmy Charlo had seven tackles, three solo, one tackle for loss. And uh, defensive end Jackson Powell had six tackles, three solo, and one awesome sack. Uh, Lavatai got hit. Or he did hit a bunch of passes in the hurry up towards the end of the game. I think that was more of a uh, a defensive decision rather than uh, actual play, you know, because it wasn't like he the, the passes weren't open, you know. I mean, they were playing pretty deep cushion on him, and he was taking what the defense gave him. I don't think anybody liked to see that, but at the end of the day, you know, it set up for a, a wonderful conclusion. Uh, he finished up 16 for 26, uh, 61.5%, 179 yards and a touchdown. And then, of course, the 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 goal line stand at the end. We've definitely seen this before. It always seems to be uh, Army wrestling with uh, fourth and two inside the 20 at some point during the game. Uh, hey, special hey, teams. Rob, I'll run those down Rob, real quick. Quinn Moretzky hit it. We- Go ahead. Before we go to special teams, um, that last kind of Navy drive was a little bit painful to watch. Um, and I understand the point about, okay, we, we're giving them a lot of cushion. We, we had guys deep, but they just kept hitting 87. They were running the same play, and they were hitting 87 on a little out route, like every single play just moving down the field. It was it was painful. So yeah, I understand well, we didn't lose the deep ball, but it, I, I don't know if I would have called it that way. Would you? Yeah, so so two two things about that drive. The first thing was, you know, they they went to the nickel, so they had three down linemen, and it looked like they were trying to just set them up to jump the route. Like if you watch the way that the this the corner was playing deep and the safety was rotating over to try and step up and cut it off, and they were just hitting it too quickly, you know. So it was probably that was probably an eight to ten yard route. They were probably cutting it between six and seven and throwing it way early. But I think the whole intent was that was to bait them in so they could jump the route and, and, and intercept it. Because there were a couple of times where they, the safety was into rotation and he was stepping up when Umbarger made the catch. Again, not my favorite way to play defense, man. Like, hey, have four down linemen. Hell, put five down there and beat them in one-on-one coverage. You know, nobody wants to go cover zero, but uh, you definitely don't want to, you know, put those guys in a position where they could, you know, they could win the game. And I think – We'll get into it a little bit deeper, but I don't think it was a bad call. It just did not look as good as it should because everybody goes into to you know prevent defense when there's only a couple minutes left. Mm. You just don't want the other team to score. I, I got to say, in their defense, you don't necessarily expect Lavatai is going to sit there and hit pass after pass after pass with pinpoint precision. I understand they're quick outs, but you know, he even in this game where he completed a bunch of passes at the end of the game, he still only finished about 60% completion percentage. All all we needed was like one additional ball to hit the ground and they don't even cross the 50. So, yeah, it, it, it wasn't so much that they started playing that defense. I don't have a problem with it, but it's like all right, after the after you gain 75 yards on the first drive and an additional 50 like at some point, like it stop giving them eight to ten yards and give them four to five yards. I know you don't want to get deep, beat deep, but I mean that's just that's a lot over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Interesting. You know, 
we're not the defensive coordinator, obviously. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be on this podcast. Um, you know, I think we, we might have called it differently. There might have been something else we, we don't know. But it was kind of inf- infuriating watching Navy run the same play over and over again and move down the field. Like, you that like, sinking feeling of, like, oh, my God, they might actually come back and win this. Like, that was, you know, that was building across two drives, at least for me. So, uh yeah. Rob, why don't you think it's uh, and, yeah. and I think it's just one of those. It's a okay, yeah, but it's it's just it's a defensive call, man. And and again, not my favorite either, but it, it, it worked out. And I can understand the logic behind it. Like, hey, we're going to let them have all the short passes. Then they can't throw short passes once they're in the end zone. So it becomes, you know, then it becomes like, hey, we're putting our best strength against their best strength, and then try and shut it down. But uh, moving on to special teams. Uh, Quinn Moreski hit a crucial 47-yard field goal. That was definitely no gimmies in this game. He also hit both uh, PATs. Cooper Allen had seven punts for 193 yards. Good gracious. Like, that's a lot of kicks for a punter in any situation, let alone an Army-Navy game. Uh, One of the things that was happening is he was trying to pin Navy deep, and for some reason, like, he was getting horrible bounces off the backspin, man. Like, they were definitely friendly towards the Navy side. I don't, I don't know what you can do to improve that or not. I guess it's just, you know, more repetitions at kicking, which he got seven of them. So, hey, you know, practice makes perfect, I guess. Uh, he consistently hit those punts 10 to 15 yards shorter than he needed to, and he averaged 27.6 yards per punt. Granted, there were several uh, short punts in plus territory, but at the end of the day, I mean, you've, you've got to be able to perform. And when you have a chance to get a coffin corner, you need the coffin corner because because you got to give them the extended field, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that that's basically it. Back to you, Jordan, for the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're on the good, the bad, and the ugly. So to finish the good, uh, Navy, or should be Daly, was on target with his passes. Navy did break up a couple, but for maybe the first time all season, you know, he was throwing some pretty consistently accurate passes downfield. That was really good to see. There was one, it was like, like another inch, and if like the Navy defender was just like half a second slower, it would have been a touchdown. It would have been beautiful. Um, and there was also a defensive holding penalty that would have converted a fourth down, set up a TD. But overall, I think Daly's passing game has really improved over over the course of the year. Um, also, the rushing defense was fantastic. Anytime you can force a service academy in a rivalry game to completely abandon the run, you've got a good chance of winning the game, and that's what we did. Um, defense made an adjustment when Arline went out and Lavatai came in. We saw at the end of the second quarter, um, we knew that Navy was going to play multiple quarterbacks. So they did do a good job adjusting. Um, also forced turnovers. You know, Di Domenico went up and out jumped the receiver for the ball. Di Domenico is not a little guy. So for him to do that and get up there and just pull that ball away, that was impressive. Um, and then Fortner strip sack was awesome. Heads up play and, and kept moving down the field. Um, also, Army had no turnovers, came in minus five, Navy was plus 13, winning turnovers, arguably won the game. Dan, uh, over to you for the bad, and then Rob can take the ugly. Uh, well, we talked about the prevent defense in the last minute, so I'm not going to um, come back to that. But then, you know, you're in the prevent, and you still let Umbarger get open right in the middle of the field for the touchdown. Like, I didn't love that play. I have no idea how he got that open. Um, and then, again, not a huge complaint, but... I still think they're ma- using maybe 30% of the full Thatcher playbook. I mean, they rolled daily out of the pocket once. I don't think they they didn't run uh, any counters that I saw. There might have been one, I, but I didn't see any. Um, jet sweep to Marshall was totally there. They ran it twice. I mean, a win is a win, and I'm not complaining about that, but 
Um, they were up 10 in the second half and yeah, the defense was playing real well, but, uh, they could have stood, they could have stood to be a little more aggressive, I think. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what passes for the bad in a win of army Navy game. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the ugly, the officiating, I mean, and and again, you, you know, and I've said this before, anytime we're complaining about officials, either the game went really, really well or really, really poorly. However, you know, Navy got a couple breaks that uh, potentially shouldn't have happened. So the first part was, you know, the uncalled defensive holding on fourth and two. I mean, you, you saw the guy grab Noah Short, held him up just enough, you know, to prevent him from making the catch. And then the other one, I think the most egregious one outside of the face mask on Daly was the punt that legitimately bounced off the, the Navy punt returner's foot. And based off of his response, you knew that uh, – something was up. Like he went and chased after the guy that picked up the ball. So that, that reaction tells me everything that I need to know. And the fact that they reviewed this thing for like 17 and a half minutes, I think it was like seven minutes or something like that. And then came back with, Oh, it didn't hit his foot. And I think everybody in the stadium, I think there were 65,000 people that would have disagreed with the referees, but you know, deep down inside, I, I think that uh, sometimes the refs get like a mention, like, Hey guys, like keep this thing close. Cause it's good for the eyeballs, depending upon how much USAA it dumped into the, uh, the advertising, all the second half footage. Like I, I swear, I know the whole story about the two families, the army and the Navy family that were competing with each other. Cause I saw those commercials way too damn much, but uh, reality of it is, is, is like, it really shows uh, had they not, gotten a couple of breaks, particularly that punt return. Like I think army would have been in plus plus territory, been up a little bit more and it would have been even more difficult for them to come back. And I think they would have put the game away if they would have got the ball inside the 20, another three points may have put it out of reach at that point. But uh, yeah, it was still I, a great game when it comes sh- down shows to you how far it shows you how far the uh, team has come since 2016 or 2017. I mean, there's no way in either of those years that army could have withstood three to four calls going against them and still win the game. I mean, especially in 2017, that was, you know, any one play is going to going to force that game to go the other direction. It was that close, you know, here you've got three or four, you know, crazy plays. I, I I think the refs are doing the best they can. I'm I'm not saying it's an easy job, but you know, three or four out of pocket, really bad calls go against you and you still, you know, wind up winning by a touchdown. This is not where we've seen the Army team be consistently over the past few years. 2018 is probably the last time we saw that much difference between these two teams. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, Jordan, let's get into takes on – thanks, Rob. Uh, Let's get back. Let's get into uh, takes on the game. Uh, Rob, you're up first, and James and Dan. All right, cool. Like, my only only gripe was, again, and – it's a comment that everybody's had like the, the prevent defense, man, stay with four, down, stay with four down linemen. You can put in an extra defensive back and just have one linebacker or whatever, but you got to get pressure on the quarterback, particularly as well as Lavatai was, was running the ball. You need to have an extra down lineman just so you can have somewhat of a mismatch, at least with the scheme to prevent that guy from leaking out of the pocket. Uh, again, I saw some good movement uh, early in the game. Like the first half, there's a lot of stunting and movement and like, a lot of the uh, pre-snap shifts were causing the Navy players to jump offside. So all that stuff is good. It's just like when you get into a prevent defense, like I don't care if you put like your fastest defensive end out there, have somebody that can rush the passer because part of the reason why they were so successful on that drive where they scored was because they got into rhythm. 
No. And that's a that's a bottom line is they got in a rhythm. Once they got into the rhythm, like nobody was getting to the quarterback to disrupt his action. And so that really was uh, my big take on it. But other than that, defense tacked downhill. Linebackers look good. Secondary played great. You know, and then when it mattered, hey, check it out, man, like like strip sack and touchdown. Right. And then the other other thing that it was cool and I don't normally talk about the offense, but it was pretty neat to watch old Bison Daly run out in motion and then the direct snap to the running back that was in the back. So, you know, Kanye Udo and, and uh, Jacoby Buchanan taking a direct snap and just running the, you know, basically running a uh, naked QB power. Uh, that's an interesting wrinkle. And I'd like to see more of that and see where, how it develops uh, with the team next season. Yeah, that's if you're going to go super conservative and just be like, okay, we're going to run QB power, then giving it to your running back and letting him do the power to keep some mileage off your QB, that was that was an interesting wrinkle that was a really good idea. James, your takes? Yeah, and, and the other thing with that was that obviously it led to a touchdown when Navy mismatched, so um, – that was a, 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 not only a, a helpful wrinkle, but a very useful one. Um, the uh, number one army rushed for over 200 yards for the first time since probably 2018 in this game. Um, it's uh, th- they don't rush like that against Navy very often, and they and they were able to. So part of that, I think, is the fact that they used passing effectively in some of those second and seven or third and four situations uh, where they were able to get the ball out to the perimeter. I really like to see that. Um, Daly did miss a couple of those throws, but by and large, those little quick outs were were really good, and they um, and they helped move the chains for long drives, um, so that the rush game could continue. Um, in addition, the uh, it really became evident that those big O linemen were a great solution to the cut blocking rules, right? Those the Army's offensive line. Don't get me wrong. Army wasn't like moving the ball like they did against Coastal Carolina or anything, but they had their way with the Navy's defensive line quite a bit. Now, Navy's linebacker stepped up and made some good plays, but uh, that the increased size on the offensive line clearly made a difference. Um, so that that's a, a point in uh, in Coach Thatcher's favor. Um, Next, the uh, the fact that there were no turnovers, obviously that's huge. Getting two turnovers from maybe is huge. Um, should have been three uh, with that punt, but the uh, but yeah, the no turnovers. So so rushing that much is great, but you have to be able to do it without those turnovers. And, and it wasn't even close. Like I remember earlier in the year, there'd be times where yeah, maybe they didn't turn the ball over in that half, but they put the ball in the deck twice. Um, there was nothing that even scared me uh, during that game, so that was good. Um, and then last thing I'll say, well, two, two more things. Uh, Cooper Allen, so uh, we talked about, you know, uh, it ended up with a, with a not great average. It was 27 or 29 yards a punt. Um, we didn't need, you know, it, it, we, we did not need to uh, uh, have 40-yard punts every time or anything like that. There was that one punt that was a bad punt towards the end that had the really big bounce back. But other than that, yeah, there were some bounces back, but it never cost more than about five or six yards. And it kept it kept the ball. It kept Navy on a long field, right? And that's all you really needed to do, because it wasn't until we started playing prevent defense that they could move the ball at all. And so Cooper Allen did a good job at just you know, like hitting par every time on his punts, um, which which is what we need, we needed him to do. We just needed no shanks, and we got that. So um, that was good. And then the last thing, um, and this might be a later episode where we can talk about the off season, 
But man, I feel like every time I get a soundbite from Munkin, I'm convinced that either Thatcher is like next in line to be the head coach or he's getting fired. Like I, I can't read Munkin at all on this. So, um, you know, I, I think he's very likely still our OC next next year. But every time I hear Munkin talk about it, like, oh, this offense is is not working, you know, as well as I thought it would. And then, oh, you know, we really like it from the shotgun. It's like every every day with this guy, it's something different. So um, I'm as clueless as everybody else, I think. I'm not sure that they know what they want to do yet. Um, yeah. You know, it seems like Munkin – like I think they got to go back to the lab and, and think about this a little bit. And I'm as curious as you are. And we talked about this after the Coastal Carolina game to try to figure out what's going to happen. And I wouldn't say that it's over. Um, but, you know, they, they've got – I know they've got a bunch of pass-catching tight ends coming in, and that should make uh, a big difference. And if they get to the point where they're comfortable sprinting uh, Bryson Daly out of, out you know, to the sideline because they had him. This is the first game I can remember him where he took the snap and then he did the little half turn to either yep. throw the ball or cause the defense to hold up for a second. And he hit enough of those passes to make that matter. And this is the only time I can remember seeing them do that. And I know that that is a yep. staple of the Thatcher offense. So, and it, and it worked. Um, I will so, say like the, the fact yeah, that we have daily coming back for his, his first year, like absolutely that's going to be a huge because because you're right they're going to have to go back to the lab here but having a developed quarterback that they can build around is a huge like that's a huge variable that you just take out of the lab right and once you kind of get it figured out and you can sure up some of those other variables okay now when you don't have the quarterback as a as a determined variable well that you can accommodate that more so that that's going to be huge for next season season is getting daily back um, the other thing I will say is part of why I think the the beefy O lineman works so well was that I mean Thatcher's doing kind of what they're doing at Wake Forest a little different right but he's slow meshing right yeah he's a just lot. like, Good like bit. they're not they're not hitting a particular hole on a play they're blocking and if something opens up the fullback hits it right. Um, so and, and that made a huge difference in this game because Navy yeah. has gotten so good at diagnosing where the play is going based on the blocking. And this time right. you could see that they just had to chase. So, yeah, that was yeah. that made well, a big difference. Well, one of, one of your keys is the mesh point, right? When you're playing triple option, you're watching the quarterback, like the linebackers. So when you have guys that are significantly taller, significantly wider, and then they're just flowing in a direction and the running back is choosing based off of what's available, it's a much, much difficult, much more difficult scheme to read than a traditional offense. Like that's why you didn't see like the, the QB counter, because if you pull a guard, I know where the play is going. Right. Yeah, unless that's, that's unless that's intentional mis you know, misdirection. But with the talent that we have on the field, sometimes you don't have enough, you know, you don't have enough speed or enough size to pull a guy in the opposite direction to influence a linebacker out of the play. So when you start pulling guards and tackles, that really shows where the ball is going to flow in. And like when you watch a lot of the success that Army had when Navy was pulling their guards and tackles, it was because the linebacker or the defensive lineman got in that guard's hip and rode it down the line and blew up the play in the backfield. And so by having the taller guys standing up to pass block and then it turns into a run, that actually creates a conundrum for the linebackers because it completely throws off all traditional keys that linebackers are trained to look at when uh, diagnosing a play. But I think, uh, yeah, the mesh point is is a huge part of it. But the other part of it is, is like their reach blocking, whereas – 
you know, last year they would have been trying to cut and in previous years, they've been trying to cut block and then you're trying to scramble off the ground and get to the next level. But now it's just, you chip the guy, your wingman comes in, picks him off and then you move to the next level. So it creates other opportunities, but that is a discussion for the off season for sure on uh, schemes (laughs) and maneuvering around blocking. Um, so the one other thing I'll say is you remember at the end of last year's game when Navy fired coach Ken Niamatololo and, uh, at the time, Coach Ken said, it's the last year of my contract. I just want to coach this recruiting class now that they're older. And if I don't win, you won't have to fire me because I'll remi- because I'll resign. I-, I-, I remember that. Yeah, no, I do. I do. And then they um, did him dirty. And I was surprised. His son is the defensive line coach still. Yeah, yeah he's a line coach, yeah. It's it, the whole thing is just kind of it. Even as I was watching the game, you know, three sheets of the wind, I was still kind of amazed. Like it's still the same everything, you know. They've still got his son there. They've still got Ivan Jasper there. Like they're still essentially kind of doing this, but kind of doing that. Um, they, you know, Army Army's got some things that they want to figure out in the lab this off season, and I think they're going to be trying to figure out how to how to mesh the best parts of these two systems, and that is good. Yeah. Navy had a dumpster fire on offense, and they got a lot of things to fix. So uh, I'll be curious to see how that goes. Um, the last thing I would say about which offense to run is I don't know that you want to be the second team in the American trying to run the flex bone. Like, I can imagine that's not going to go as well as you might have hoped. So, Yeah, that's that's true. And the, the, other, the other point about being the second team, like – so, so you got to balance it, right? Because you do need a unique aspect to your offense when you're in academy. And as Munkin admits, this new offense is not so far off from every other offense in college football, or at least not as far off as he wanted it to be. So it's a delicate balance there of like, well, we're not the true flex bone and we don't want to show like, you know, we don't want to show the flex bone to a team that played Navy earlier in the year. And on the other hand, we can't be coastal Carolina because Team, we don't. Number one, we don't have Grayson McCall, and number two, teams prepare for Coastal Carolina every other week. So it, it's sort of a fine balance there. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it, you know, I, I think we're ending this season on a high. Um, obviously, you know, be, beating Navy, um, winning the CIC, but I also think if you're the coaching staff, you know, I, I know the players are back in the weight room on Monday morning. Um, I saw the, the, the BTO uh, posting about that on, on Instagram. Um, but, you know, I think if you're the coaches, you kind of it, – it's like you don't get a break. Like they, they normally don't get a break because as soon as you finish the season, it's in recruiting and stuff like that. But, you know, if you're the coaches, like, okay, we just had this big monumental shift of offense. Didn't go quite as we planned. Um, and now we're going to go and <laughs> now we're going to go and join the American conference. For, and so there, there's a lot of changes. And so I, I imagine that the army team and the army offense that we saw this year is, is not going to be the same thing that we see next year. Um, I, there's comments in the chat from the first two clubs about, you know, who's, who's going to start. Is it going to be daily? Is it going to be Harris? You know, I don't know. Um, the point about, a, you know, a, a competition in, in kind of spring ball, I, I could maybe see that happening because, yes, no, Daly had a good year. He's going into his first year. But, you know, Frank Harris might might be a better, you know, better fit for this type of offense just the way he's built and the way he, he, he plays. I don't know. Um, 
but it's going to be a very interesting offseason. So um, I'm sure Coach Munkin won't give us very many details in his pressers, but, um, you know, as, as we hear things, we'll, we'll report on it. And uh, I imagine there's going to be a lot to talk about uh, next year after the season opens. Here's a here's one thing to think about with the American, right? This year, Army beat UTSA. Admittedly, one of their better games in the year, right? But they beat UTSA. UTSA was number three in the conference. SMU was number two, and they left. Yeah, or SMU won the conference, and they're leaving. And uh, Tulane lost their head coach and probably their quarterback to the transfer portal. Like this is a conference that Army is going to be able to compete in immediately. Uh, you know, I'm not saying they're going to go to a conference championship game next year, but if Navy can go four and four or whatever they did in the conference and Army is doing well, like uh, Army has a chance to, to, you know, get themselves into a conference championship game, a good chance. Yeah, and uh, thank you to everyone who's pointing out that it's uh, not – uh, Frank Harris, it's Champ Harris. Uh, you know, I just clearly I got Frank Harris on my mind as our super, super, super red shirt senior and also the mayor of San Antonio. So, um, anyway, Dan, you were at the game. Um, I know there was a lot of controversy when they decided to move this game kind of out of the mid Atlantic or the third time it hasn't been played in the mid Atlantic, you know, New York region. Um, one, how was the game? And two, does it kind of change your opinion or reinforce your opinion on playing games, not in Philadelphia? I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Um, we, like I said, we took the train. Uh, somebody in here said that the traffic was horrible trying to get out of there. I had heard that getting out of Gillette was a real pain. Um, you know, and, and one of Sally's friends, we, uh, God, one of the firsties asking if I was really at the game because of all the fireball fair point. Um, I, I had an awesome time. I thought they did a great job. I, I liked Gillette stadium. You know, we were sitting, um, very close to where Rob and I sat, uh, last time we went and, you know, I found myself watching about half the game on the big board. What can you do? I was in the, on the end zone, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, I think that they could totally keep Boston in the rotation telling you just, you got to take the train or take an RV or something. Um, I agree with that. The, the driving, driving there and then trying to get out immediately. This was not the way to go. And my buddy somehow stumbled into a, uh, parking lot where they were doing shots down one of those ice luge things. Like it's oh, not, cool. it was not like there wasn't a way to keep yourself entertained after the game, after the game, it, it was your standard army tailgate afterwards. People were going crazy. So, uh, as long as you didn't have any place to be immediately, or you could just catch a train and whatever you were, you were all good, but I, uh, yeah, driving there, not recommended. By the way, can we bring this to the fact like Dan wears like a, a newsboy cap games dresses like he's he like out 83 of- year old man, right? He, he does that. Meanwhile, Right. Like he doesn't pay for ESPN plus and he's doing isolate shots. Like what the hell's going on here, Dan? <laughs> Dan, you dress like you're an 83 year old man going to Central Park to feed the birds. Like <laughs> and then you're doing an isolate. Like, come on. Like you're like an fireball Dan, Dan, I, I haven't had fireball. I haven't had fireball in years, Dan. Oh, dude, I don't think I'd had it since we snuck it into the last Army-Navy game that that I saw back in the 90s. Dan, if you're going (laughs) to sneak booze into an Army-Navy game, like, let's get some Woodford or something. Like, come on. (laughs) 
I uh, so so that is that is I old man hat. I would call that an Indiana. Yeah, Ray says I'm a complex man. That's that's not a lie. Um, I would call that an Indiana Jones hat. I I I bought that. It's just gray because obviously it's gray. So well, did you, did you do it to keep the sun off your face in you know mid December <laughs> New England? Like, Absolutely, do you I do. That when you garden and like, oh, you gotta go, you know, trim my petunias. Like, come on. <laughs> Dan, do you own a garden? Do you own a garden? Uh, yeah, of course we do. Oh my god, dude, I own a house. Where, what are you, you talking about? Where the hat? Come on. I'm a fifty. Listen, I make that hat look good. If you could make it look good, you could wear it too. It's not my fault that you can't pull that off. The day, the day yeah, you get ESPN right. Plus, the day you get ESPN <laughs> Plus is the day that I admit that hat looks good. <laughs> Dan, if I wore that hat, people would think that there's something clinically wrong. So you're right; uh, I couldn't pull it off. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, pretty sure Fireball is my 17-year-old daughter's favorite. I don't have a 17-year-old daughter, but yeah, probably. (laughs) That's funny. Sorority girls love it. You're fine, Dan. Yeah, see, but like Dan could not show up to a sorority house dressed the way he does and be allowed in. Like that's the Dan will get arrested if you showed up to a house. Yeah, I'm I'm 50. I can't go to a sorority house under any circumstances, man. Come on. You could go for like Father's Weekend or something, but you better not be wearing that. No, no. No, yeah, listen. You get made fun of. Listen, I, I, it's a distinctive look, uh, and and people, I, I, we're at, we've we've gotten to the point where people will see the hat and they're like, "Are you the guy from Azure <laughs> Football?" So, yeah, that that has absolutely happened. That's good. That's what we want to be known for: the creepy dude in the hat. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. That's, that's great. Great. We don't have a marketing problem over here. <laughs> oh, anyway. All right, okay. Let's let's rehash factor fiction. I know we had some some hit during the game. Uh, James had said Army scores some points off of defense or special teams. That was the fact. Fact agreement. Everybody gets a shot of fireball on the show. Uh, Raj and Army will throw a touchdown this week. Um, that was fact. I was right and Rob was right. Dan and James are haters. Uh, Dan said that he will steal Brandon's and ask if the quarterback, if QB Bryson Daly gets into the 1K 1K club. That was fiction. He needed uh, the ball game. Yeah, I know. I know. It would have been close. Uh, and then I don't remember what mine was, but we all we, said, we facts, all said so whatever it was. So, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, if you like As for Football, you like the, uh, the things we do or don't do on this show, um, and you want to support us and our coverage of Army Sports um, and the American Conference, we could use your help through Patreon. Go through patreon.com slash As for Football or the As for Football website. Um, we have a couple different tiers. At the yearling level, you get our weekly games and locks of the week. At the Cal level, you get that plus our scouting report. At the first year level, you get that plus access to our exclusive first year club. Um, Dan, maybe we should add a plebe level where you don't get any perks, but you just give us money. Like, if you miss being hazed, um, you can just give us money and you don't get anything for it. So maybe we'll do that in the off season. I don't know. We could do like a, a plebe of the week, uh, for the lowest level of contributing. And every, every week we pick oh. one person to come on and we treat you like we treat Dan for about five minutes and then you can leave. That'd be good. That'd be a lot of homework on us though. Like, hey, we know Dan for years. Like, you know, we got to do a lot of homework in order to like pick on some random person from the internet and you know nitpick his insecurities. I don't know. I mean, we could, but we'll see. We'll work on this in the off season. Anyway, back to the commercial for why you should support us as a professional business. Um, 
At the first team level, uh, you do get access to the first team club. It's the best place to talk Army. Uh, Bill T is not in the first team club, in case you were wondering. Um, we're all super fans, though. We, we try really hard to keep it positive, and it's a private group. So whatever happens there, it stays there. Um, Virtues also get access to live show recordings like this one so they can interact with us during the show. Um, the reality is we've spent a lot of money over the last year. We're on StreamYard. We're using Podcastle AI. We've got regular recording times. Trying to legitimize ourselves a little bit, <clears throat> which is going to involve Dan losing that hat. Um, but all that stuff takes time and money. That's why we need your support. Um, so please consider it and uh, go to astrofootball.com. Let's talk, let's talk about the Heisman. You got to kick this one straight over to Rob because you can already see the steam coming out of his ears. What steam? There's no steam coming out of my ears. All right. So let's talk about the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Let's, let's talk the Heisman Trophy. So the top six vote getters, number one was Jaden Daniels. He's your Heisman Trophy winner. Like statistically, I have zero problem with that. You know, I, I think he's, he was the guy for the job. My only complaint is, you know, can we tell whether or not LSU would have continued to win games with or without his presence? And I think that's ultimately what it boils down to because the Heisman Trophy is the best college football player for his respective team, or is it the best college football player in college? I think that's always going to be arguable. If you don't think it's going to be arguable, look at the CFP, and I'm sure you'll understand why everything in college football has been insane this year. Number two vote getter was uh, Michael Penix Jr. He had 292 uh, first-place votes. Bo Nix uh, is 87 years old. I think he is going to the NFL by the grace of everything that is holy. So he got 251 first-place votes. Marvin Harrison Jr. got 20 first-place votes. Jordan Travis from FSU got uh, eight first-place votes. And Jalen Milrow had four first-place votes. I mean, when you look at the when you look at the guys that were in there, like, can we get somebody other than a quarterback? That's my only complaint, honestly, every year about the Heisman Trophy. It's either quarterback or running back. We've rarely seen, you know, we've rarely seen other guys break into that strata, and those that do are remarkable. Uh, if I would have liked to see uh, Travis Hunter make it in there at some point, I know he was in the top ten or fifteen of the Heisman voting. He just didn't make it to to New York. Uh, that guy's a, a a tremendous athlete. I don't know if you've watched him at all. Like he's probably the only thing that makes Colorado games worth watching is to see what like superstar move that Travis Hunter is going to pull off during the course of the game. And then moving on, so we got bowl games this week. Uh, the first bowl game is the Myrtle Beach Bowl. So if you want to go to the Redneck Riviera North, you've got Georgia Southern and Ohio on ESPN. You got the Celebration Bowl, which is Florida A and M and Howard. That's a historically black college bowl. If you did not know that. Uh, New Orleans Bowl is Jacksonville State and Louisiana. That should be interesting. The Cure Bowl is Miami of Ohio and App State. The FCS semifinals, you got North Dakota State and Montana playing. That'll be on ESPN2. New Mexico Bowl is Fresno State and New Mexico State. That actually will be better than I thought because New Mexico State is actually pretty doggone good. I threw some shade on them earlier in the season, and they actually played pretty tough in their uh, championship week. The L.A. Bowl is UCLA and Boise State. The Independence Bowl is Texas Tech and Cal. And that's all coming up on Saturday. Sunday, you've got the famous Toastery Bowl, <laughs> which there are a lot of name changes. So the what, bowls that you traditionally... What is a Toastery? I have I, no I, idea. I seriously have no idea what a Toastery well, is. But it, it's, Dan, it's famous. Come on. Yeah, it's famous <laughs> Toasteries, right? I guess. You got uh, WKU and Old Dominion. Tuesday, you got the Frisco Bowl, Marshall at UTSA. That should be a decent one. Uh, Boca Raton Bowl is USF and Syracuse. And then you got the Gasparilla Bowl, which is Georgia Tech versus UCF. Which one are you guys watching? Any of them? All of them? None of them. 
I'll be skiing with my daughter Saturday. Uh, so sort of depends on who's playing. Um, but I'm most interested in Marshall versus UTSA and South Florida versus Syracuse. Um, just because those are teams that we, you know, watched and or played this season. Yeah. Uh, the Toastery yep. Bowl was the Bahamas Bowl, but not in the Bahamas. I don't know how th- – that's Brendan. Thanks, Brendan. Um, how the hell is it famous? But okay. Yeah, so Famous Toastery is a breakfast and brunch restaurant in North Carolina. No. Hmm. Oh. Huh. They have right. 728 followers on on Twitter slash X. So and, and, a, and a bowl named after them. That's, and a bowl. I know. So, like <laughs> – they they gotta have some revenue coming in. They must have some pretty famous <laughs> toastery. <laughs> Their food doesn't look terrible. Like so. Hey, so next as time you're in North Carolina. Yeah, road trip. As for football road trip to uh, the famous famous toastery somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That wasn't gonna be you can tell it's the it's the end of the year. It's the end of the year. We're just we're losing it at the end of the year. Um Who's that? Who's talking about football? The AFF bowl. <laughs> yeah, we get the yeah, Aston football. Damn, yeah, Aston football bowl. We as soon as, as st- with the fedora on top of it, and that'll yeah. be the, the logo for the bowl game. Hey, as soon as as soon as Dan buys ESPN Plus, because you know that's where it'll be regulated to. So until we get that uh-huh. part of the arrangement knocked out, we probably won't be able to get the Aston football. Bowl. Maybe we can get Dan a subscription as part of the contract. Yep. Hey, that's Ooh, fair. throw that in as a little something, something. <laughs> yeah, sweeten the pot. Uh, the the only other thing, like like I said, I'm setting alarms because I'll forget all these games coming on in the middle of the week. I hate, I, I love college bowl season, but I also hate it because like if I'm not paying attention and following the schedule daily, I will miss everything that's going There's on. There's a game every day. Got. One game yeah, a day. Pretty much. It's easy enough. All right. How many Thirsty so, Club members do we need for our own bowl game? I don't know, but it's more than what we have. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we could probably, you know, get some intern. We don't have an intern, but we can get an intern to do the analysis, and we'll let y'all know. Um, you know, do we do we fund the bowl game or the natatorium at um, the? I don't even know if I'm saying that right. The new pool at West Point. Priority. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Natatorium. And, oh, and I'm sorry me. to say that the natatorium probably has priority over the bowl game. The Astro Football Auditorium at West Point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That'd be nice. The Dan Head Memorial Auditorium. We'll see. All right. See. So, speaking speaking of, uh, we had a long discussion about the crazies on social media, right? So, if you like Army football but hate social media, who doesn't? Social media is terrible. Instead, go to astrofootball.com forward slash subscribe and sign up for our mailing list. We send out one email per week, and that has a link to all this week's content. That's too easy. Follow it. Keep up with Army sports and as for football, James, you got a favorite thing? Uh, well, yeah, I was just gonna say uh, what I'll be watching on Saturday. So there's the D two national championship, uh, Colorado School Mines versus Harding. Harding is a triple option school, so if you want to watch some uh, some championship triple option football, it'll be on ESPNU on Saturday. So uh, also yeah, ESPN so Plus. Great fun fun fact. Fun fact. A guy who used to work for me kicked. He was the punter slash kicker at UVA. Came to work at my firm for like a year. And then in like March of this year, called me and was like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going back to school. I got an offer to go get my master's degree. I'm going to the Colorado School of Mines. Had no, I had to look it up. Had no idea. I was like, this dude's throwing his life away. Like he has a year of eligibility. Like what the hell is he doing? Playing for an extra championship. What do I know? 
Well, he'll be playing against a triple option, so that'll be a, a that'll be a fun game. Um, and then Rob, are we doing uh, we doing Bull Mania again this year for the? Yes, we are. Yeah. 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 So I set that up today. Um, well, I didn't really have to set it up. The Bowl Mania, there's two of them, and they both re-registered automatically. There's a uh, a confidence interval one, of which I think right now I'm the only player, and there's a straight Pickums League, of which four or five people have already signed up. That's on our website. Uh, I put it up on Twitter. It's, I also put it up um, on Patreon. And so if you want to join us on Bowl Mania, go to astrofootball.com. Follow us over to the Twitter page. Like it's not hard at all, and you got to pick a bunch of bowl games, and they start on Saturday. So you got, yeah, I don't know. By the time you get this, a few days. Dan, I I ran two polls, and both of them were pretty conclusively people like straight pickup. So I know well, you're a confidence man, that, but that was wrong. That was wrong. The confidence league is superior, but okay. I mean, <laughs> what you guys, you guys also That's don't good. like my hat, so clearly none of you have any taste. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? We're not Dan, doing if you, drinking if you fire Google fedora. If you Google fedora, just look at the pictures of the people wearing that kind of hat on the internet. That's oh, all I'm saying. Yes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, right, hey, well, thank you all for, for listening. If you've made it uh, through the last hour, we appreciate it. We appreciate your patronage. Uh, thanks for listening to us ramble on about Army football all season. Um, we're going to have shows through the rest of the year on the, uh, the round table. So make sure to check that out. Um, Rob and Dan do a really good job with that show and, uh, we'll pick it up back in the new year, probably do a recap of college football and then, uh, start covering army football at some point, uh, in the spring when we start having movement. So anything else, gentlemen? As for lax is definitely going to be a thing. Got a logo and everything for it. As for lax. All right. Hey, well, check us out on social media to stay updated. And uh, go Army, beat Navy. Beat them. Beat them. Thanks for listening to the As for Football Army Football Show. Tune in next week as the As for Football team brings you more Army football and American conference analysis. We'd like to thank our patrons, particularly the Firsty Club, for supporting the show. If you're interested in joining the Firsty Club, go to patreon.com and search for As for Football. You can access more content on our website by signing up for our mailing list at astrofootball.com forward slash subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Army Football Show. And as always, beat Navy.